the image on the wall um, should be well known to most South Australians. It's uh, a self-portrait by Nora Heysen. It's one of the three self-portraits that the South Australian Art Gallery has in, in our collection. And every now and then it, you'll see it on the wall. Um, Nora Heysen, of course, one of the great South Australian artists. Uh, was born in Handorf uh, in the hills. And it relates to today's reading, I hope, a little bit later on. Let me get to that bit. First of all, we've got what is a pretty unremarkable and fairly tawdry monologue. <coughs> Excuse me. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. We could read about this any day in the newspaper, couldn't we? About Ukraine or the threats to Taiwan. There'll be great earthquakes in various places. There'll be famines and plagues. We can read about that any day too, can't we? Beware you're not led astray by people who say, I am. We've had a rise in authoritarian governments. Xi Jinping now president for life. Putin, pretty much the same. Before all of this occurs, whoa, can we drop it a little bit, Gordon? Just in case I yell more, you never know, I might. They will arrest you and persecute you and, and you'll be handed over and you'll be brought before governors and kings and even betrayed by friends. How many times have we had to deal with Witness K and Bernard Collieri, his lawyer, trying to deal with whistleblowing. The ongoing saga of Julian Assange, it's just part of this ongoing rhetoric. Anything that was written in this text, we could read in the newspaper every day. You'll be handed over, uh, sorry, you'll be betrayed by parents and brothers and relatives and friends. And We've seen that all through the 20th century, didn't we? the Vichy regime, regime in France during the Second World War. And since the breakup of, uh, since the unification of Germany and the breakup of the Soviet Union, we've discovered that almost 3% of the East German population were informants for the Stasi, informing on each other. All of this that we read from 2,000 years ago could have been written any day of the week. And it gets worse because they say, look at this temple. How will this ever not be? And of course we know, because we're looking back on history, that it did not be. Only a handful of decades later, in 70 AD, the Romans came in with the Emperor Titus, who would soon be emperor, and decimated the entire city, destroyed the culture, and knocked down the temple. And, it's, and the temple, of course, we see as just some sort of religious symbol but it was so much more it would be like the high court the reserve bank parliament house the national gallery the national library the national broadcaster all in one suddenly disappearing what makes us a culture the things that reflect our culture back to us and our way of being all gone 
So is there any good news at all in this text? This, what's often called by the scholars a little apocalypse. Well, yeah, there is. There's one little bit of good news, but it's really strange. Jesus says, so, make up your minds not to prepare your defence in advance. What? That's not the way we... We don't operate like that. When we see the storm coming, we fill the sandbags. And we prop them up against... Because we know something's going to come and we're seeing it every day of the week. We've experienced it ourselves in the last 24 hours. We batten down the hatches. We defend what we have and who we are. So make up your minds not to prepare your defence in advance. This is a call to not know. It's a very strange thing. It's to arrive without a pre-prepared script or a solution. One of the hallmarks of a rise of popularism across the world and in our own nation to some degree is simplistic answers to complex problems, isn't it? All that needs to happen is and then insert some group that needs to be persecuted or gotten away with, and everything will be right. We, we see it in our own experience. I've had this experience myself a lot, and I've had it in conversation with couples who are in trouble, particularly heterosexual couples, men and women. A woman will often say, I've got this real issue. I want to talk about it. And the partner will say, well, <clears throat> the solution to that is... She said, no, I don't want you to fix it. I'm not an idiot. I want you to listen. And he'll say, and this is a caricature, but it's pretty close to truth in my experience. Yeah, but all you need, what you need to do is... There's a desire to fix things. But the partner is saying, no, I need you to hear me. Just let me say it, because it's probably a lot more complicated than you think it is. The desire to fix is the desire to not be exposed as being incompetent or impotent in the moment. The desire to be in control, the desire to be able to do something. My dad used to have above his uh, office desk a sign that said, something must be done. Here is something, we must do it. The urge to know and to be able to control, to arrive with a fixed idea of what a king is or what the son of God term means, which we get in our text. We already know those. I see the problem with Jesus, and we're going to discover this in the next couple of weeks as we come to the end of this church year and go into Advent that they kept thinking, his followers kept thinking he was going to be the Messiah and he was going to be the king of the Jews. But everything he did bore no resemblance to what a Messiah, which basically means saviour or anointed one, and a king is supposed to do. It didn't make any sense at all. If we come with a fixed idea of what a king is or what a son of God is or what a man is or what a woman is, or what a husband is, or what a wife is, 
or what a teenager is or what an 80-year-old is. Whenever we come with those, we, we do damage to each other and to ourselves. So don't, so, so don't come with a fixed idea. Don't come ready. Come making up your minds not to prepare yourselves. So what, what does that mean? Well, Jesus goes on and says, For I will give you words and a wisdom that none of your opponents will be able to withstand or contradict. I will give you words and a wisdom. Not a script for all occasions. Not, we know better because we're Christians and we read the Bible. And all you need to do is follow Jesus and everything will be fine. Which some parts of the church would like us to believe. It's not being superior, it's coming as yourself. Plain, honest humanness. Which is a bit scary because... We come with no defences. That's what self-portraits are really interesting for. Another great, I could have shown you a few of these too. Robert Hannaford, another great South Australian artist, living South Australian artist, has done a number of self-portraits. One quite recently after he suffered from cancer. And he's stripped to the waist and um, quite emaciated. But it's a very powerful, very honest portrayal. It must be hard to be a painter and to paint a self-portrait. I've always liked this one particularly of Nora Heysen. It just looks as about as honest as you can get. I always wonder what she's thinking and what kind of a person she was. Because it's so... It, it, she's just there. What if we turn up just like that, knowing that wisdom comes not from an enormous amount of knowledge, but from a true understanding of the reality of the moment, the true understanding of who I am in this moment, in this part of the world. And it turns out that I grew up as a white, Western, middle-class male. If you like the apex of our culture. I don't feel like an apex person. I don't feel like an alpha male, but in all of culture, I, I kind of am. So I only see the world in a particular way. And it turns out that the white middle-class women in my life see it quite differently. And my friends who have recently come from Africa, and my friends who have recently come from Persia, Iran, they see it differently. And all I can do is turn up as myself. And the only way I can be myself is to acknowledge that I don't know everything and that I'm not coming fully prepared. And that's maybe where wisdom comes from. God is not attained by a process of addition to anything in the soul, but by a process of subtraction. Meister Eckhart, the great German mystic from the Middle Ages, said that God is not attained by a process of addition of anything to the soul, but by a process of subtraction. Maybe the wisdom that comes 
in not being prepared, not being ready to fight, ready to control, ready to be correct and right. Maybe the wisdom that comes is a stripping away and an acknowledgement of a deeper truth. The world will always throw up a litany of unremarkable horrors and distress. It's just the way we do to each other. This text is inviting us not to meet that with predetermined arguments and set positions, but to turn up as our honest, true selves. And by that endurance, we will gain, as Linda read in the last verse of that text, life. That's how we will gain life. That's what the text is saying. And I think it's a really good text to prepare us for Advent. Next Sunday is the last Sunday of the year, and then we're into Advent. And that moment of expectation and waiting. Because if you already know what's going to happen... You don't need to wait for anything because you already know. And the problem for us that have been in church for a long time is we think we know the Christmas story that's about to come. There's a little baby and there's some wise men or maybe they weren't men and maybe there weren't three of them and maybe they, I, we don't even know what wisdom is. And, and, and then there was a manger but it was actually a trough and, and it was born in a shed or maybe a house. And we think we know the story and so we just let it roll over us. What would it look like if we came as our naked human selves, open to wonder and to gain life? 